Welcome to Boz to the Future. This is a podcast that we created uh, because so often I find that when I talk about the work that we're doing in technology in public, it's a very broad conversation because there is so much to cover, but it's rarely a very deep conversation. You rarely have the time to go into some areas that are so interesting at the greater depth that they really deserve. Um, and so that's why we created this podcast. And for me, at least, my last guest, Jan LeCun, may have to make a repeat appearance. And I suspect this guest may have to do the same because there is so much ground to cover in virtual reality. Uh, but not to keep you in suspense any longer, my guest today is Mark Rabkin, who is the VP of virtual reality uh, here at Reality Labs inside of Meta. And uh, he's also a good friend of mine. <laughs> Mark and I have worked together across multiple jobs uh, over the course of our very long careers here. I think you joined in 07, right? Is that right, Mark? 07 is correct, yep. Just a year behind me, from way, way, way back, we've been working together. Um, we had a, a kind of a long overlap when we were working in the ads business together, and then both found our way into Rally Labs, and we turned our eyes towards the future. Now, I could do a bunch more intro, because again, Mark and I are friends and, and have spent so much time together, but my tradition on this show, Rabkin, is to have people introduce themselves so that you can decide what you think is most important for the audience to know about you uh, that you know, what's, what do you think? Give the, the people what they want. They want to know more about you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, great to be here. Yeah, uh, I know. I've been I've been working on a lot of different technology for a long time and kind of trying to stay at the forefront of it. Um, I graduated from college uh, right during the first dot com crash. Perfect time. Kind of graduated <laughs> into every company going out of business and rescinding <laughs> offers. So I took a, a job at the stalwart Intel Corp and uh, worked on chip design tools and silicon and really like what made Silicon Valley Silicon Valley. Um, and then I spent uh, a few years at Google building cloud infrastructure and data centers, except like we weren't cool then. We didn't know it was in the cloud. We thought the data centers were still on the ground. It was still server-side. Yeah, we were still grounded. That's right. Yeah, we're data, we weren't living in the sky yet. The cloud was just, a, was you know, warehouse in Sunnyvale. <laughs> exactly. Totally, you know, the cloud oversells it. Um, and, then, uh, and then after four years at Google, I realized that Facebook and social media is where the online world is just changing the fastest and evolving the fastest and the growth rates of how many people were coming on to use these new services were just like unheard of. Yeah, totally. So I um, jumped over and it's going to be 15 years at what is now Meta uh, for me in October. Um, and even within Meta, uh, you know, you and I worked on ads for many years. I, I started out there. But it was an amazing um, survey of everything the company does. Yeah, totally. Because that was our business model in every product, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or Messenger. And we got to work with every single part of the company, which was amazing. But uh, about three, four years ago, I moved over to uh, join you in Reality Labs. And it's been really exciting to work on virtual reality. I have, you know, so many parts of my engineering experience that have been awakened yeah, that right, were yeah. dormant <laughs> for so many years. It's like lasers, optics, silicon tools, the whole thing. Dissipation, yeah. cooling. Like every part, like it's amazing how much you get to put together, like building experiences that people love and then engineering. 
like old school engineering. So exciting to put that together. I've been hearing this story from so many people who have had the chance to get engaged here, even people who are industry veterans who've worked in other companies, other hardware companies even. Um, the work that we're doing in, in virtual reality and augmented reality is just tapping into some very fundamental engineering work, you know, engineering work that we love, that got us interested in the field when we were uh, undergraduates. And uh, you're reintroduced to it. By the way, even our CFO, David Weiner, was an optical engineer. Did you know that? He's a background. I did not. I just learned this recently. Really? Just, so, so, Go Weiner. Yeah, lighten it up across the board. Just connections people thought they'd, they'd kind of left wow. by the wayside. I have not heard the word watts so many times since I did. Yeah, it's a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of measurements of work. I'd like, to, I'd like to hear more jewels. I'd like to get us get ourselves more into different, you know, mechanisms exactly. of, of measuring these things. Um, I think, actually, by the way, uh, if we've got to do so many deep dives with you on the podcast across the breadth of virtual reality. I think it'd also be fun to do one, some, one sometime on, on the business store because you talked about Messenger and, you know, click to message ads, all these tremendous tools that because we have such an American point of view often in technology mm -hmm. or a Western European point of view so often, we miss out on the way the economy and the rest of the world works uh, and, and you know, what the evolution is. And a lot of times they leapfrog us. You know, a lot of times they get out uh, because they skipped a generation of technology adoption uh, and they kind of surpass us. So that's a, a deep dive that we'll have to do another time. Would love to. The context for this deep dive, uh, the first one here, actually is just today. Now, I know, I understand, of course, we're recording it today. Uh, here's a little hat tip. You'll be able to figure out how long it takes us between recording and release. Um, today's the day we finally got to announce officially um, meta accounts. So years ago, and that, let me give a quick history, and then I want to talk to you about this. Years ago, we had Oculus accounts, that, you know, uh, from the... For our VR headsets, you had to have, create an Oculus account. Why do we need an account at all? The basics. Same reason the Xbox or PlayStation or anything else needs an account. You want to buy a, a game and be able to play it again. Well, you need to have an entitlement. It needs to be associated with you somehow in a way that you can recover and have payments and redress and these types of things. So, so you have an account system. One of the problems with the Oculus accounts is that the median number of friends the Oculus account had was... Zero point five. Zero. Was it zero? That, that can't be the median. That Sorry, can be the average. 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 <laughs> median was zero. Median was zero and the average was 0 0.5. That's what it was. Yeah. So it was, it was a tiny number. And we, what we know is that people who, uh, have, who uh, have friends uh, play longer. Uh, they, they buy more content, which is good for the business, good for the ecosystem. They enjoy the thing more. So we knew that, that the, the data was very clear on this. Um, and so we're like, well, shoot, we're, we're sitting here as a part of the, some of the great social networks that exist uh, on the planet with Facebook, with Instagram, with uh, WhatsApp, with Messenger, can we bring these things together? And we said, okay, this is no problem. Let's just do the Facebook account thing. We had a new headset coming out, new headset, new account requirement. Um, and the motivation was certainly right, and it kind of stands, stands today. Um, but it ended up being the case that not only did some people feel uncomfortable with that, which obviously we, you know, we don't feel great about, um, I think they were informed, I think they understood it, I think maybe they opted out of it, which is the loss of the ecosystems, loss of ours, but, but I understand it. But also... Um, we just, turns out the graph that you've built on Facebook may not be the graph that you really want for the metaverse. It's a different identity, different profile, different set of activities that you're doing. Um, and so we've announced this big change. Talk the people through what we've announced and, and how you're thinking about it. Yeah. So, uh, you kind of hit a little bit of the setup and history. We basically realized people want to use VR and the metaverse differently yeah. Then they've used all their other social services. And we found that, you know, 
with the Facebook account, we were really, really hoping to get a tremendous amount of just like immediate social graph reuse. But turns out only a few of your Facebook friends for now are into VR. And that part of the graph was really easy for you to just recreate on a VR graph. And then all those other connections you make along the way, people you meet in Horizon, people you meet in a multiplayer game, there wasn't a fantastic way to That's represent right. that on the Facebook graph. Because and this because you didn't necessarily want to become Facebook friends with these no. people because that wasn't how your mental model of Facebook was. Baby pictures is not what you wanted them to see first thing. And and this people will make fun of us, and I think it's fine for people to make fun of us, obviously, but like in their minds, it would have been so obvious. I just can't emphasize enough how it was not at all obvious three years ago. And people forget how these things take time. When you're changing the account structure, it takes a long time to do that work because you're talking about kind of the fundamental unifying identifier in databases across the entire system, how you structure every single query. It's a lot of work. And it just wasn't obvious to us. We're like, well, people need friends. They have friends over here. Let's connect it to. Um, and yeah, now in retrospect, in hindsight, you're like, well, hindsight being 2020, it's like, oh man, yeah, of course these are different. Uh, of course these are different. Yeah, except there were so, so many things in the past where you import your Facebook friends and do things that's true. with a bunch of them and that's it right. worked amazing. That's right. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the internet worked that way. For the social kind of the social web sort of worked, worked that way for five or six years there. Yeah. So so basically given that, we realized, hey, this is not working exactly how we wanted to. We want to do a clean sheet. Like what should it actually be in VR if we start from scratch? Um we got to have this account that holds your entitlements, holds your apps, holds your stuff. Um, and we realized that's got to be a little bit separate from your social mm -hmm. account and representation. So we created these meta accounts, which are a new kind of uh, structure that our company is using. And the meta account is just a holder for your login, for your payment information, for your kind of core permanent stuff. Uh, it's not a social account. It doesn't have a graph. It doesn't have a social media site or app associated. Meta accounts have no friends. No friends. Exactly. Uh, no followers either. Um, and it doesn't have to be subject to all the different policies that all the social media sites have to maintain whatever kind of community that particular uh, app of ours needs to have. So, for instance, the Meta account is not real name. You can create a bunch of them with, you can create a new email address just for it and just create a fresh account just with that. Um, it's a much more independent entity. And, uh, and we're trying to make meta accounts flexible in that way where they can be used for work, they can be used for meetings, they can be used for social use, but they're kind of a little bit separate. And then to and they can't, there you go. So great. You're, you're doing it right now. This is great. That's how people know that we're having a real conversation because we finish the sentences. <laughs> oh, it's, it's adorable. Um, yeah. Uh, then we, to satisfy the social needs of the VR uh, user, we're rolling out Horizon profiles. Yeah. And those are kind of an evolution of the Oculus account. Uh, we realized when looking at people, how people used it and who they were connecting with, we realized the follower model yeah. was a lot better and more interesting than the friend model for that kind of graph we can get into that a little bit if you want um and we realized that you know as horizon grows and horizon is going to soon be available on the web it's going to be available in different places 
we need you need one place to store your kind of virtual world identity, your 3D yep. world identity. You need a place to store your avatar. And you might have a few of those even. You might have different horizon profiles in different contexts. Um, whether you're just incognito or or for or your work self for a variety of reasons. That's right. Um and then if you want to find your friends from other places, we made it completely optional, but very easy to add either Facebook or Instagram. And the Instagram yep. part is one of the most requested things. Totally. We had because our VR audience actually loves Instagram and, and yeah. uses it. Overlaps really heavily with, with heavy Instagram use. That's right. Yeah. And so, so it's an option. People can still connect. Uh, of course. These, the social accounts and benefit from those. And those are still based what they are, but they also have the option of doing this, the horizon thing. And you can kind of bootstrap your horizon graphs. Um, and so you really have the best of both worlds from that perspective. It's obviously and, a 10 and, more and work. It, yeah. And to drive home the optionalness, just for a second, Boz, I've gotten this question a lot already. Uh, if you choose to go just meta account, you don't want to link Facebook. You don't want to add Instagram. You keep all your apps, you keep all your entitlements, those migrate very cleanly to your meta account. You don't have to ha maintain social media connection in VR to, to keep all your stuff that you've accumulated. Now this is, and we've got two pieces here that are you've introduced that are interesting. The first one is the shift to followers. And I think you addressed that earlier on a little obliquely, which is like really what we're observing is people go about, uh, you know, they're working the metaverse, they're playing the metaverse, and they're meeting people, they're finding creators. Um, a quick and lightweight way to say, like, hey, here's a person that I enjoyed playing this game with, here's a person who created a cool world, and be like, hey, I'm, I'm interested in, uh, if they're, uh, if they permit it, I'm interested in following along with the action there. And if you have mutual follows, that's a pretty strong indicator that this is somebody that you, you know, maybe you can be in conversations with, maybe it's somebody that, you know, has access from a privacy settings uh, standpoint to be able to have conversation with you in the metaverse if you so choose to configure it that way. So, you know, mutual follows is a pretty strong signal, but we did feel like the, the friendship model felt really heavyweight for the way that people were experiencing the metaverse, where it's a lot of novelty. It's a lot of new things and you're kind of following people and maybe they're doing interesting stuff right now. Maybe later they're not doing interesting stuff. So we did change models. This I was surprised when we announced this, looking through the reactions that people had mm -hmm. uh, on across various sites. I was surprised at how people were, this was a, one that, that caught people by surprise, the fact that there's a follower model instead of a friendship model. Um, but it, I, I mean, for me, it's just such a, it's such a classic case where people think, oh, because you are Facebook, you have to support the certain model. Um, but the truth is, like, we already have Instagram, we already have lots of things. It's really, it really does depend on what the media itself is, what the type of uh, network exactly. it is. Yeah, so I have a couple of thoughts. I mean, from a pure nerd engineer perspective, the follower model is just a superset. If yeah. you count mutual followers as <laughs> friends, right. then you can have both symmetric and asymmetric relationships. Totally. And what we're finding is uh, the metaverse, especially as people start to create worlds and horizon, as people start to stream, as people start to be making content in the metaverse, asymmetric relationships are blossoming everywhere. Totally. And it's starting to look a lot more like an Instagram, or a lot more like Reels, or a lot more like any if pick a favorite <laughs> game streaming. Pick your yeah, favorite, totally. you know, thing where people create content, and also a lot more um, relationships right now in the metaverse are formed kind of casually or for a specific purpose, like mm -hmm. you mentioned. 
And friends feels like a really heavy thing to give a person access. Uh, yeah, totally. When you're when you're in a casual game, so I, all of our kind of research and, and data of how people are really using it, it makes us feel this is going to be way more comfortable for people and and allow way more interactions. And it's a super well understood model at this point. I mean, you got Instagram, oh, for sure. you got Twitter. It's a, it's a very I, I do feel like consumers really understand the follow model pretty well. Uh, but this also ties in closely with one that I've also seen a lot of commentary on, which is just the, you know, Facebook really um, came to prominence to some degree, uh, not just with a real name policy, mm. but almost um, potentially because of potentially because of that's right. Um, and I'll, I'll talk to, I want to talk to this one because I think uh, having been there kind of at the very beginning, people really have such short memories go back to 2004 uh, when you know Facebook was created, no one was putting real information on the internet. No one was doing that. It was that was you know, the we were, big knock against Facebook. That was the why it will never work. It was really it was you were taught at a young age don't put any real information on the internet. Um, and Facebook, by virtue of being a friends oriented, so you got mutual confirmation, closed network initially for the first yeah, two and a half years, based, three years, yeah. community based network, um, normalized people having a real presence for their real self uh, online. Uh, and they do that so profoundly that today it's completely commonplace. You know, it's, it's, com it's completely, you know, it's, it's, it's boring. Uh, that just wasn't the case, you know, uh, it, back in 2006. Um, uh, even when, when, when I joined or 2007, when you joined, it was not the I, case. It was not. And I think it spilled over. I mean, even Twitter, which famously, you know, is pseudonymous and you can be, an anime character or whatever you want to be majority of like, you know, big influencers and majority of most, almost all the accounts on Twitter are real name. Certainly the they don't have to be, yeah. but they, but, but like, I think the norm was set. What has happened since then, that's become completely commonplace. So, you know, that we don't need to overcome that anymore. People are now online. People are comfortable being themselves online. Uh, but people are also finding the limits of being themselves online again. You know, it's kind of, it's a, the pendulum swung, swings back a little bit. Uh, and there's things you want to do where you just want, I want to be casual. I want to be, I don't want to be known in this space. I want to be able to be pseudonymous in this space. And so um, I think, I, you know, it's just for us again, so often the causality arrow is pointed the wrong direction. People think that we uh, do a thing which causes an outcome. When in fact, what has happened is we are following the market. The market is, is asking for a thing and we're trying to provide it. Um, I think in 2004 and, and for the, maybe the decade after that, the market was clearly telling us they wanted a place uh, with higher degrees of authenticity uh, and kind of realness relative to what the Internet had offered before that. Um, and we've now achieved, you know, very wide penetration of that for you know most of the world. Um, and now people are like, hey, I also want to have a place where I can uh, experiment with my identity and be somebody else and have a little graph and have and just have a, a fun uh, place to play without all the pressure uh, associated. Exactly. I think I want to seize on something you said, which is experiment. I would have also said explore. That was the yeah, word totally. that was in my mind. The metaverse right now is a place of exploration and experimentation. Totally. Nobody actually knows for sure what they're going to do in the metaverse. <laughs> That's right. Like, no one actually has a key plan of how they're going to build or how are they going to express themselves. It's, it's a lot more playful. And, yeah, you totally. know, even like when we do meetings, like, like my team, I, I do multiple meetings a day in the metaverse. And my team obviously does a lot. 
even the meetings are just a little more lighthearted, a little more exploratory, a little more openness to different formats, a little more openness to different arrangements. People want this tech, this new feeling to bring new stuff for them. And I think having pseudonymity, having these lightweight stuff lets people be freer, lets people explore more, lets people be more playful. So I think it really resonates on a deep level with people in VR, sometimes in a way like they can't even explain. And and you just you touched on something there, which I loved, uh, and this and your previous answer both, where, and we can do all of that. We can enable mm-hmm. all of that, which is what we perceive people wanting to do. Um, and we don't have to give up our ability to provide stronger privacy and integrity controls. Yep. Because it's pseudonymous. It's all linked through uh, a meta account. Do you want to talk more about some of the enhanced privacy stuff that we're building here? Yeah, uh, I, I just wanted to say, like, on the on the real name thing, just for a second, I still think there will be a lot of real name use in the metaverse, and we make it so easy. You can sync your identity with Facebook if you want. Your profile, pick your name. You can sync with Instagram. I actually think there will be a lot of spaces that choose to be more real name. But again, totally. I think we're going for more flexibility. Um, actually, on this point... On this point, Mark, I really I couldn't agree more. And in fact, one of the design guidances that you and I gave to the team from day one on this was that uh, we want to support the richness of expression that is uniquely possible in the metaverse. But we also want it to be totally normal for people who choose to come as uh, themselves, uh, in both in terms of how they express themselves through their avatar, um, over time, maybe with codec avatars that are really realistic, um, and also with their real name. Uh, and I really agree. I think there's going to be spaces in the metaverse where people will have as a requirement to enter that space that this is a name that you go by in real life. Um, I, I should. I want to do one quick kind of note and a correction of my own self in this podcast. I've been using sure. the, the name real name policy. And I was using that because I was referring to 2004 to 2006 when that's what we called it. It's worth calling out to everyone who didn't know this already. We haven't had a real names policy for a while. Our policy is that you just go by a name that people know you by. Um, that's after getting feedback from in particular the LGBTQ plus community, uh, which we took really seriously and, and made a bunch of changes there. So I used, when I say the real names policy, uh, that really actually is already not the case on Facebook today. Um, or, it, it's uh, a different definition of the word real. It is. Yeah. And I think, I think this is an evolution for us. I think for people kind of just tracking the path more broadly, when the community and the tech was tiny, when VR was tiny. We had to take bets and be much more directive of like, yeah. what should the behavior be? What should the setup be? How should this stuff work? Now that we have millions and millions of uh, people in VR and it's growing so fast, we're tilting a little bit more to flexibility and customization so people can choose the path through the metaverse that's right for them. And we can, and we're learning from them. Like we're able to actually look at the behavior and say, "Oh, this is what they want to do." Like we were guessing before. Now we know. <laughs> yeah, we've heard you. It just took, yeah. sometimes takes us uh, a year or a year and a half to get to where you want us to go. That's right. That's right. Where the work is particularly, you know, uh, tricky and sensitive. Um, on the privacy side, on the same theme of giving more control, of giving flexibility to people to use the metaverse how they want to. Um, the follower model in itself, as we talked about, isn't is an implicit built-in privacy setting. You can be connected yep. to someone and follow what they're doing without revealing a lot from yourself. So that so yep. that alone will help a lot. Um, but generally, uh, 
not more generally, specifically for your profile, we have three different settings yeah. uh, for you. We have open to everyone, just friends and family, and solo. And that uh, determines how easy is it to people uh, to connect with you. Is your goal to meet as many people and make as many friends as possible uh, to make as many connections? For some people, it is. And some people really want to use VR as locked down as possible and only connect if they really want to and only reveal any bit of information if they really want to. So now we have these easy presets. Yeah, totally. Uh, we, we've been leaning a lot as part of this whole rebuild um, into parental controls and helping uh, parents set things up for their teen in a way that uh, they both are very happy with. And it's kind of the right boundary of how to explore the metaverse. And on that, we really wanted to have these presets that are easy to choose so that it's tractable for, for everyone involved. Yeah, I feel like for me, so many of these uh, updates represent asks, to your point, that the community has kind of been making for a long time. Parental controls were such an important step forward for us, uh, and, and the, the privacy controls make total sense. And actually, really continue to deliver on what I've been saying for a long time, as regular listeners will recognize, is that my goal for... The metaverse is individual empowerment. So many of the tools that we're going to have for integrity are really tools around you controlling your own environment. Um, you know, muting people, blocking people is so much more powerful when they just cease to exist in your universe after you take that action, um, you know, relative to what you experience on the asynchronous internet that we mostly use today. So I do think these are the types of places where we're building it the right way so that we can really embrace the flexibility the metaverse should provide people and give them the individual autonomy and power and control that we that is uniquely possible in the metaverse. You can't get it in the physical world uh, and you really can't get it on the, on the asynchronous web uh, because it's just kind of so vast and, and people can kind of find ways around. When it's synchronous though, when a lot of your experiences are happening in real time, um, these are really powerful tools, like asymmetrically powerful tools. They are, and I... I'm very excited to be leaning into the superpower vision for the metaverse on the safety side as well as yeah, on the totally. exciting experience side. That's right. I agree completely. Um, I, I want to oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I just have to say uh, on the on the fact that we have a community telling us what to do now. What a relief as a builder to have a community yeah, that's totally. big enough and vibrant where you can actually get that signal. You know, when you work on VR, when you work on the metaverse, you still have to take leaps of faith in what product to build that are just astounding. And two years from now, you'll know whether people love the thing you built or not. And But to have more of more of these signals that are coming in real time, where we see how it's evolving, where we see what people are actually doing, it's so nice. That's right. Yeah, we're still we're still making leaps of faith on novel things, mixed reality, and and how much people are going to embrace that and what the opportunity there is. So there's still places that we're making big outlays, big bets that we won't know for years. You know how much the community rallies around them or how they value them, but we believe in them, so they are leaps of faith. But yeah, you know, compare this to our work in augmented reality, which is you know certainly strong product market fit as it relates to Spark AR. And the filter space on Instagram, for example, but in terms of like what it's going to be like to have augmented reality glasses and walk around and have a software experiences. Yeah, there's no consumers yet. So you really you're making leaps of faith on top of leaps of faith. It's, it's compounding bets um, before you turn the corner on product market fit. It is wonderfully satisfying to then work in VR where you have at least for the software side of the market, you've got a real 
community that will, and, and a vocal one that tells you what they think, which I love. So, and 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 one of the questions that is that's being raised uh, to me is: Will this change in how the metaverse approaches identity affect um, Facebook? And I think the answer is possibly. Now, you know, I'm not speaking from any insider knowledge of that. You know, if 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 the metaverse becomes so much the center of especially synchronous connection and communication, as I imagine it might, I could imagine that having a real impact on how we think of identity in other places in the world. Um, so so I, th- th- I think there's a real opportunity here. We're just, again, we're following consumer behavior. And I think that's what all of us here, whether you're at Facebook, Instagram, or working in the metaverse, uh, are trying to do. We're, we're already seeing avatars take off in Facebook. You know, man, the metaverse yeah, so is already good. starting to kind of bleed into some of the the quote-unquote more traditional social media, which is funny to think of it that way. Yeah, it's a totally natural fit. You know, the the graphs, the bootstrapping version of the graph that we're taking now, where it's like, hey, you can have access to the graphs if you want them, but you don't have to take them, um, is a natural extension. It makes it a little easier. It's just, it's just all taking down the barriers to allow people to have more flexibility. The same to do with avatars. We've got to do a lot more with streaming and creators. We've got to do a lot more to support people who are creating content in these devices. We, we know that. Um, but that also is a, is a case where the, it's going to be very fluid between content being created in the metaverse and being consumed elsewhere. You know, it's, it's not all going to be consumed here. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Like, social media will still be how information is distributed, particularly asynchronously. Which is social media efficient. is the mechanism yeah. people that's have right. built including messaging apps and, and totally. Instagram and Facebook and so on um, of like, what's going on? How I think the difference when the metaverse is around, is not that it will displace those things necessarily. It's that what's going on will be going on in the metaverse. I agree. Completely. But I think it'll be discussed, shared, criticized, Yeah, <laughs> uh, yep. you know, content will be created on social media. And of course you'll be able to, completely invert this weird Mobius strip and use traditional social media on a metaverse tablet in the metaverse. Yeah, of course. I mean, if I have a phone walking around the real world, it's really weird if I'm in the metaverse and I can't also get my messages. <laughs> like, that would be yeah. very, that's very unfortunate. Um, all right. I hope this is hopeful, hope, uh, helpful to everyone who's listening, who's curious about thoughts on identity and the metaverse and, and how we're thinking about those things. Um because really, it's so fluid. You get a sense of year to year, we've had such different concepts of what identity would be like in the metaverse. Um, but we've now officially kind of flipped to a mode where we're really following where consumers are going. And you're looking at the consumer behavior. And that's what leads us to um, having these uh, you know, multiple horizon profiles that you can have, uh, each with their own graph, their own representation of self, multiple representations of self, if you would like. Um, it's a follower model because we're seeing that's just what is more natural for the types of environments people are in. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot of changes, but it does feel like we are now on on pretty firm ground for what the metaverse is going to expect going forward. And I think we definitely are. And I think our system that we're on now is flexible enough to adapt to a lot of changing usage and changing trends and changing behaviors for the next few years. This was one of the most expensive architecture changes I think we've gone through since the entire five years that I've been working on AR VR. Um, I, I, I do think it was absurd. You know, <laughs> I do think people <laughs> underestimate. <laughs> you know, you're, you're like, oh, you guys are this big tech company and you have all these talented people, and we do. But there still are some things. You know, it's like, hey, like, here's a here's a, uh, a here's a giant 
70 story building. I need you to raise the foundation three inches. It's like, Hey, that's a, it's a big lift. You know, it's a, yeah. I know it's only three inches, but it's a big lift. Anyone, anyone who's worked at a big tech company, if you hear the words account migration, yeah, you're already, you're immediately, you're, if you've seen yeah. things, you've seen things. You've seen it. That's right. Okay. Um, this is a great first deep dive. Let me get into the second deep dive. It's one that I feel, you know, I kind of uniquely suited to do. Um, we've been two of the earliest uh, employees here, uh, two of the longest tenured employees uh, at Meta. And I think for our industry, an industry where people do often change jobs after four and five years, we're probably two of the more tenured people uh, at a technology company. And not to mention a lot of technology companies haven't been around that long yet. Um, we are Talk to me about where we are in the VR adoption curve relative to other technologies you know, talk to me about where, where are we in the life cycle of virtual reality? Um, still, I mean, it's such a cliche, but it's still so early. Uh, I think, um, you know, whether you look at raw numbers, you know, which is kind of, you know, some number of millions of people, or you look at how quickly it's changing or the growth rates or yep. how quickly new modalities of usage are emerging, um, every kind of signal you have is that it's still hyper growth days. Yeah. Um, and the leap is also bigger. You know, I always compare it to the infamous transition from web to mobile, mm -hmm. but it feels like a bigger difference. There's a bigger difference as big as they were for mobile with input methods, with displays, with screens, just like. 2D versus 3D, like the main issue on mobile was real estate. Totally. But it was still web pages. Then native apps came and they kind of involved the input a little. Touch was obviously a huge leap. But a lot of what people tried to do is kind of the same thing they did on the web, but on the go. Totally. Or a little bit quicker and shorter, briefer sessions. In VR, just... Um, immersion, the 3D-ness of it, and even, you know, as much as uh, my team is trying to make it lighter, the heaviness of it. It's still a yeah. headset you put on. It's still a change you need to do to get into that environment. Yeah. Um, it, it is a big change and we're early in it. Yeah, but I, I, it's worth calling out. You said something which I thought was, was quite clutch, which is like we're in the hypergrowth phase. And I have said previously that we're past the, the first elbow. And we always think of these things as S-curves, right? Like there's a curve where mm -hmm. at first the growth is is slow and then at some point it, it turns and it becomes vertical. And I think we are in that vertical state. Now, you can be, not vertical is the wrong word. Um, you know, it's got, a, it's got an angle of ascent greater than 45 degrees. Um, and so, you know, that's, but it could be exactly, it could be 45.5 degrees and that could take you a long time to grow from a low base of millions. In the case of mobile, it was like a 90 degree slope, right? It was just like, it was like, it, yep. was, it really was unbelievable how quickly it was adopted. Okay, fine. Someone's, someone out there is going to be pedantic on me. It was an 87 degree slope. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but like mobile was super steep. I do think this one will take longer to adopt to your point. It's a, it's like, it's a more expensive device relative to, um, not, not relative to mobile phones necessarily, but relative to like the total cost of ownership. You got to get the device. You're going to buy some content for the device. Um, which tend to be more expensive than apps. Why are they more expensive than apps? Because they're more expensive to develop. Why are they more expensive to develop? Because fewer people can do them because 3D is harder. Um, we're past the elbow. We're in the hypergrowth phase, but it still remains to be seen how steep that curve is. And what we're trying to do with so much of our work is accelerate 
you know, the, the angle of ascent of that curve um, and create that virtuous cycle where you've got growth in the eco- growth in the consumer base, yields growth in the ecosystem, yields growth in the consumer base, and so on and so forth. Uh, for me, the most promising sign is the number of, of partners, developers who want to invest. Um, that's, that's really exciting. I mean, I think that really gives you a sense that people are seeing this as a growth opportunity and that that's, that is, uh, you know, a hedge against, uh, you know, future stagnation that they're going to see in, in mobile and web. And by the way, I feel so lucky to have come up in the web era of development. So, you know, I've spent a couple of years developing application software, desktop application software. Microsoft was great career experience. This application software at that point was a pretty mature ecosystem. Um, you knew what you could do. It was a pretty robust tool chain. Um, and it was still, the web was so easy. <laughs> the, the web was just, just yeah, put, a, put a picture there, put some words there. When they click these words, they do this. It was such a, and, and mobile really kind of took the best of those two environments and stitched them together. Um, and Apple first and ultimately Google with tremendous toolkits for how to manage the complexity of multi-touch interaction. They made it, they took it all out. They, they did a great job of the platform layer. Um, and I raise all this to say, um, so, you know, we're past the elbow where I think we're now, we're in a growth phase, which is so exciting. Um, but there is... I, yes. The previous phase I called uh, wandering through the desert. That's right. For the <laughs> oasis phase. That's right. Yeah, we're not, we're not doing it anymore. We've got, uh, we've got a vision and direction. We've got tailwinds. We've got people pushing us and it's great to see it. Um, but we've still wanna, we still want to steepen that curve, in, increase the rate of adoption over time, which is one of the reasons that we are forging ahead with... Um, experimental new technologies that that uh, I think are going to you know be exciting for developers and unlock new capacities. We're forging ahead with with new capabilities for developers like the Presence platform. Talk to me about what are some of the long term investments that you're really bullish on. Sure, and and I think you know connecting it to your framework of S curves. I think the most exciting part of this phase is many S curves at the same time. Yeah, they overlap to create one exactly. macro S-curve. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there is one big macro S-curve of, like, how many total devices are out there. Sure. Right? But within that, um, I'm trying to focus more and more on jobs to be done and experiences and what are people using it for. And within that, it's complete vertical hypergrowth, major shifts. So, for example, um, a year and a half ago before Quest 2, um, pretty much all the experiences in VR were solo. And now uh, social and multiplayer experiences are well yeah. over half the time spent. Which, which, if I may, pursuant to our first discussion today, we called it. Like, we were right. Yeah, we I weren't mean, wrong. <laughs> our goal was to make VR social. So we, we are not wrong. Yeah, we weren't wrong on the premise. Anyways, carry on. <laughs> exactly. And, and then there's a, you know, um, work usage is on the, very early uh, part of that uh, S-curve right now, I think hurtling toward the elbow. I think the elbow on work usage will happen probably in the next 12 to 14 months. Uh, fitness is deep in the elbow and going vertical. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's now, uh, you know, a significant chunk of time spent on our platform, whereas before it was just like an exciting new area. And it seems to have legs. The VR fitness community is fired up like almost no community that I've seen there. They're really into it. Um, and then meanwhile, we're trying to forge ahead and forge ahead both on hardware and these use cases to start the early S-curve in which we're still exploring. And MR and Presence Platform, I think, yep. is one of the 
best examples of that, um, as you've seen us kind of tease and announce throughout the last year, our next device is going to be pretty amazing um, on, on the mixed reality side. And there we're still in helping people find that PMF, helping people find the jobs to be done, giving amazing tools to developers, building test apps, building demos, trying out a tremendous now amount of prototypes for work, for gaming, for using your desk, for exploring your space, for augmenting your space. Um, and so far, um, I'm pretty excited and optimistic about it. I think a lot of the things that you do with AR, MR on your phone, yeah, uh, what, you can place objects in your kitchen and so on. I think it's amazing for like, you know, testing where a piece of furniture will go. Totally. But, but things that are a little bit more gimmicky on the phone become tremendously useful and fulfilling in VR, for example, yep. just putting art in your home. Like if you do it on the phone, fine. So you can scan your kitchen and the piece of art shows up. But if you do it in VR and you're truly decorating your virtual office that you're actually yeah. going to live in and spend time in, it's just so much more powerful. So it's kind of, um, I'm thinking of it more as these S-curves per use case. And some of them are still very early and some are just turn up the heat, help it grow, engagement, reduce friction, let people know, get people in there, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think this, it's a good window uh, for the listener into how we approach these things, which is, which is you know, Jobs Be Done framework, which is, you know, kind of a business school framework. I think Clayton Christensen and kind of his community had built up, but it's become phenomenally uh, popular. And just the question is, you know, what are you trying to do in this life that we can help with? It's, 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 that's where all good product work starts. People always ask me, I'm surprised at how often people ask me, you know, in, in various forums, you know, what advice I have. And the advice I have is to like find a problem people have and try to fix it. That's what, that's, that's what we're trying to do. You know, if you go back and look at my connect speeches, a big reason I took this job five years ago. Um, and I wasn't, I didn't know much of the technology yet. And I, I wasn't deep in the space. And I, I was a skeptic, I would say. Uh, I took this job. I spent, uh, Mark really challenged me to take time and think about it. I actually think, I think I initially told him, no, I didn't want to take the job. And he's like, just take a week and think about it. I spent a week trying to really understand the technology. And I was thinking about what are the problems it could solve? And listen, entertainment's certainly one of them. And I love entertainment. And I think we are, as a society, too quick to dismiss the importance of people being entertained and, and having leisure time and, and being able to enjoy themselves. I think entertainment is also storytelling and storytelling drives the whole human and, world. And it's also connection. You know, when when I follow the Warriors, it's part of me following the basketball team. Is not that I love basketball, but I love being a part of the community that loves basketball. It's a connection with my father, who loves basketball. Like people, we underestimate a lot of the pieces around. So I'm not we trying do. to discount enter entertainment. Is important, and I value it. But if it's just entertainment, there's a lot of great ways to get entertained. And I don't know if that was worth it for me. It was these other pieces. It was the ability to work from anywhere. The idea of ge of untethering geographic mobility from economic mobility. If you're familiar with Raj Chetty's work at Stanford and then at Harvard, like you know, these things are linked today in a powerful way that tells you that most of your financial fate is determined by where you were born, which is a tragedy because we know that's random. Like we don't get to decide where we're born. There's no merit there, and you know, the fundamental human position is in inequality. And I think it's the the job of society to to try to address that and give people a certain base level of 
uh, dignity, equality, access, opportunity. By the way, it's bad for humanity. That means some brilliant people were born in places where they just didn't have access to the education, to the work, to express their brilliance to the world. That could have been a great benefit to all of us. It's a deadweight loss in economic terms. That is why I took this role. So that, that's literally like I, was like, I was like, man, I think this technology is important. It could not just entertain, it could also inform and ultimately unlock productivity. And so, but, but all product work starts with what is the problem you're trying to solve? And the reason we like virtual reality, the reason Mark Zuckerberg has been talking about it as a general compute platform for so long is because it can do many jobs. In fact, it can do many jobs and it can do some of them in a way that literally no other technology can or ever will. Um, you know, not even augmented reality, which I think is going to be its own powerful unlocking tool, the ability to augment your memory, your vision, your hearing. Um, uh, it's like, I think augmented reality is uh, also a tremendously powerful tool, but there are things that VR will now and forever do better than AR uh, by virtue of the total immersion that you're capable of in the space, the ability to really convince your brain that you are someplace else experiencing something different. Um, you know, you, you can't simulate weightlessness in AR because there's a bunch of objects in my house they're just tied down <laughs> like you can simulate it in vr do you feel weightless no but you don't know what that feels like anyways you you experience something you know, visually and maybe auditorily akin to it so uh, you know for me this is just the heart and soul of these overlapping s curves uh that equate to a larger product adoption there's a, a wonderful you know there's a sure there's a there's a capitalist angle here which i which i don't deny but there is also a story of capabilities that were previously unavailable at any price that now become available and hopefully increasingly at an accessible price. That's exciting. It is exciting. Um, and, and I love, I love your description of kind of, you know, the superpowers of VR. It is. It's, it, there's nothing, there's nothing quite like it, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's a tremendous credit to, to everyone who's pioneered it, the teams that, that we get to work with every day, uh, the leaps and bounds. I can't wait to show the, the, the world what's next um and and now you know you and i have the great privilege of looking three or four generations into the future and it just it just keeps getting better the the key the curve is steep there as well uh the curve is really steep the sneak peeks we get are exciting yeah no totally the team the team is really bogarting the best uh demos that's they, they you kind of show up and it's it's amazing how when you see them okay let's do a quick fire round what are you sure. consuming right now book podcast tv what's a, a thing a piece of media that you're consuming right now I think my my current guilty pleasure is Yellowstone. Okay, you yeah, know absolutely. it's Sopranos, but it's in Montana. You know? <laughs> that's the that's the, the punchline. I got you. It's great. Uh, what is your uh, recommended cannot miss movie of the summer? Oh, man, I haven't seen a summer movie yet. I feel like I'm. Then I'll give you, the answer is Top my, Gun. My the answer the answer we're looking for is Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun. That is what everyone uh, is saying. The, it my, really is my, the, the so show good. I blew through. It's not a very summer show. It's it's winter. The whole show, but, <laughs> but Severance was absolutely amazing. I loved it. Um, yeah, that's not that does not sound like a summer feel good blockbuster. That mm -hmm. sounds like a very heavy, that is not my mo. That's fair. That's fair. That's, that's listen, not my I've, MO. I've known rapping. I've known rapping a long time. We've been friends a long time. That is not as mo. Who wants summer? Um, what is a myth about virtual reality that you would like to correct right now? I think I think the biggest myth is that it's somehow like hard or tricky or hard to grok. I think VR might be sometimes a little hard to grok when you're not in it, but the second you put it on your head, then you instinctively get exactly how it works. 
it's crazy how it's it's got that same kind of naturalness that like you know people always attributed to uh, you know touch devices it's yes. like uh, I've it's even more there. so like you just like pick up objects and you yeah do oh yeah the controllers are a little bit complicated uh, which one was them so much hands? I think one of the things I love about hands controls is if you know if you've played cubism with hands, you don't need any training. You're like, oh, I just grab it and then you grab it and it moves. You're like, oh, you that's, rotate it. That's, yeah. that's, that's it works exactly the way I thought it would work. Um, uh, do you have a favorite world in Horizon Worlds? Uh, I am really partial to the events world, the concerts yeah. world. Uh, yeah. You know, my team way back in the day built the original you know, events product. And I always wanted to be part of the bigger horizon universe to, for yeah. people to be able to customize the location, to be able to do new events, to better interact and hang out with people before and after the show. That 100%. thing is amazing. Post Malone is coming up. Check it out. That's right. And you, you tweeted about that. I think I retweeted you. Um, the, uh, the, the fun, the thing for me is always like when you're looking at, I love stand-up comedy. Uh, I'm not good at it, but I like to watch it for people who are good at it. There's a lot of it on TikTok, a lot of it on Twitter, a lot of it on Instagram. But there's there's not oh the stand-up an, world is so you good. A, you can even actually club, you know, the Horizon Worlds. You can actually get and have an actual club experience. It's very cool. Uh, I think it's people people are sleeping on it a little bit. Okay, I, we I, are. What, yeah, go ahead. Comedy on Zoom does not work. <laughs> it turns out people tried it so hard. You it does need not work. the feel of the club. Yeah. All right. We are out of time. Thank you, Mark, for joining me. Um, where Thank can people you. find you? If they want to ask you questions about VR, where should, where on socials should they look for you? I think Twitter is the best place. That's that's kind of You have to give where them your handle, though. Announce M. Rabkin. <laughs> M. Rabkin. M. Rabkin at Twitter. Uh, very, very clean and simple down the middle. Uh, well, thank you all. Listen, uh, you can enjoy Boz to the Future wherever you enjoy fine podcasts. Uh, you can leave me thoughts and feedbacks at Boz Tank on Twitter or on Instagram. Also, Facebook.com slash Boz. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time.